Praise God. God is good. Can I have a witness? Yeah. Anybody feel his presence? Yeah. Anybody get touched this morning? Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mm, thank you. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for who you are. And today, God, as I share your word, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give us nuggets of truth. You're going to empower these words to penetrate our hearts and change the way we live. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this hour. I thank you, God, for raising up more leaders, people who are taking on responsibility, people who are taking on uh, the care of, of the house of God and ministry. And so, Lord, we just pray your blessing upon this message for the furthering of your kingdom and your glory. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as many of you may know or may not know, um, today... Actually, today is my last day for a few months because uh, I'm going to be taking a sabbatical. But it's also the day of 19 years. Today is the day when New Covenant started 19 years ago. Today. We didn't plan my sabbatical around that. Had no clue. It just happened to follow, this fall. But 19 years ago today, we started in my basement back on 103 down towards Louisville. 15 to 18 people gathered together with a vision and a purpose that God was wanting to raise up a radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people in this generation. And he was wanting us to focus on a young generation. And uh, it just seems really <coughs> awesome. I asked my wife on the way to church today, I said, what have you seen in 19 years? Seen a lot of hills and valleys, a lot of good things and a lot of rough things. But the Lord and his faithfulness to see changed lives has really been amazing. Amen. It has been amazing. And so I want to thank everybody. You know, there's, uh, I think I counted two, four, maybe five people who are here from the original 15. <laughs> And uh, some people were pioneers to help us get started, and they've been in ministry in other places now. And, uh, but I just praise God that God has sent you to New Covenant, that he has made this place a home for you, and that you have supported this ministry, and really myself and my family and, and the other pastors, Tom and Mike and Alger, and I mean, Al, I mean everybody. There's so many ministers here. And one of the things I'm going to share today as I get ready to go on sabbatical is how many people and what God is doing in this house. You may not see it all, and you may see it from a, a different per perch or a different perspective, but I'm going to share some things as, as we really celebrate our 19th uh, birthday as a church. Um, I'm going to share some things that the Lord's put on our hearts and what God's wanting to do as he, he moves us forward and, and brings change. And uh, before I get into my message, I... Uh, I may get a little emotional about this, too. Um, just so you know, um, I, I'm going to talk about some people today as uh, in my message. So today's message is going to be a little different. There's going to be some word, but it's really going to be about the people of God and what God is doing. And so I may get a little emotional, and uh, but you guys know I've leaked for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I try to hold it together. I mean, I was even last week when I was in Wichita, Kansas... And I was marrying Josiah Furrow and his, his beautiful wife. It's like, man, the tears just start. And it's like, gosh, God, these people don't know me from Adam out here. 
and, and you try to hold it together. So bear with me. I'm not always good about holding it together, and I have no clue why. I think I'm related to Connie. <laughs> it's probably a pastoral thing would be my guess. I don't know. It may be woundedness, but we'll figure it out one of these days. <laughs> but I'm getting ready to take a sabbatical um, this summer. And um, I'm going to do exactly what Tom did last summer. Pastor Tom went last summer for, for three months. He went on a sabbatical. And, um, and I, many of you, may you don't get to interface with Tom as much as you do with me because... Um, and I'm going to talk about why that is in, in here in a minute. But um, as Tom came back, you guys seen that Tom got a tremendous amount of freedom in his sabbatical. And um, when Tom came back from his, his sabbatical, I really did see that the Lord set him free. And the Lord refreshed him and he came back stronger. And he came back more focused. And he came back more anointed for ministry. But he also came back into the same environment. <laughs> and uh, Praise God. Tom, I love you. That only gives me legal right. <laughs> Other than Michelle, I think I know Tom better than all of you. I've been with him for 23 years. I see the holiness. You don't. You see the part of his gift that's not relational. <laughs> and it's been a wonderful 19 years. Thanks for the laptop for my sabbatical. Thanks for the Bible program that you put on it. People don't see it. Thank you for the picture of my three beautiful kids on my screensaver. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Tom, for being you. Mike, thank you for being you. Alger, I could go through the list, and I am going to. These papers down here are the list of people that I really want to thank. I'm not leaving ministry, so don't freak out. <laughs> I'm going to go on a Sabbath rest. Yes. After 19 years of ministry... I told Pat Shevzak, I feel guilty. Who in the world gets to take a three-month Sabbath rest from their job? You know, so you almost feel guilty, didn't you, Tom? You know, because many of you work very, very hard as well. And, uh, and so you almost feel guilty doing it. But I thank God that the team has um, blessed me to take this sabbatical rest. And if you don't know it, Tom got a lot of freedom, but one of the things... If you're one of those people that haven't seen the changes in Tom, that's because you don't interface with him on a daily basis, probably. And probably the way you're going to experience Tom's freedom is what you see going on here. 
You won't see it maybe from a relational standpoint because he doesn't touch people as much as I touch people. And so I get credit for a lot of things that he does <laughs> because you don't see what he, sees behind the, what he does behind the scenes. And so what I see, and this isn't a message about Tom, this is just I want to publicly honor Tom because he doesn't get honored in the house of God like he should get honored. But behind the scenes, where no credit is given, there is a man who prays, a man who seeks God, a man who has vision, a man who is a builder of ministry, a man of integrity, honesty, and truth, a man that works tirelessly, many hours, implementing strategy, administrating our core values into systems that are reproducible. He is setting up structures that allow for ministry to move forward. Many times Tom thinks it through, and then he comes to me and he says, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, that's a good idea. And then what I do is I start talking about it. <laughs> and many of you hear me start talking about it, and you go, hmm, well, that's a really good idea. I'm glad we're going to do that. And I say, thank Tom. You know, if you like our worship ministry, anybody like our worship ministry? Thank Tom. And the team, don't get me wrong, but it's his leadership and the anointing upon his life, you know. Anybody like the stuff we're receiving from RTF? Thank Tom and Michelle. How about this? Anybody like the mission statement? We're raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who love deeply. Live, live holy's forth. Serve sacrificially. Speak truthfully. Live holy and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all men to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Guess how many words of that mission statement I did? Two. <laughs> Live holy was my input. Thank Tom. <laughs> Live holy. Thank Tom. See, Tom is probably the most misunderstood leader here at New Covenant. And the reason I'm talking about this is it's going to move right into the message of where I'm going with this. Because it's not just Tom, it's every leader in this house. But he is probably the most misunderstood leader in the house. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah. As a matter of fact, several people that are missing today need to hear this message. <laughs> yes, tell everybody to listen to the podcast. You don't want to know why Tom is the most misunderstood person in this house? Because people expect him and want him to be pastoral. And he is not a pastor. Well, he's got the title pastor. Yep. Because in our culture, the only term that is really appreciated and valued is the word pastor. But there are many other titles in the word of God, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so what happens is, we move and we force leaders into what we expect of them instead of allowing to them to be them. That's right. And that's what wears ministers of the gospel out. I talked to a buddy this week, just this week, God began to prime me for this message. And his, he's going on a two-week vacation. He went to his council, his board, and said, 
man, can you guys just approve that my phone is off for two weeks while I'm on vacation? <gasps> the church got angry that he was going to have his phone shut off for two weeks. Now, you guys aren't like that. Praise the Lord. We're, we're, we're further down the stream than that. But there are expectations that people put on leaders. Amen? Right? And because people expect and want him to be pastoral, really what they're saying is they want him to be people-oriented instead of task-oriented. What they want Tom to become is they want him to become me. They want him to be pastoral. He want, they want him to be the people connector. But Tom is an apostle and he's a teacher. I've not been saying the word apostle till recently because that gift of apostleship has been be, being grown and groomed in this man for years and it's now becoming identifiable. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about gifts. And so I can say some of you would not want him to be like me. You would say, no, 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 no. We've tasted and seen that the gift in him is good. You're going to see where I'm going to go with this here in a second. And though Tom and I are not perfect leaders, many times as leaders, people do expect you to live and to relate to them in a perfect way. And that perfect way is different for every person because your perfect way is your way. And you want leaders to relate to you in your perfect way. Does anybody relate on that? And so demands and expectations of leaders are heavy. And you can't keep up with what people expect of you as a minister of the gospel of Christ. And what our goal in ministry is, is not to keep up with the expectations of people, but to keep up with the expectations of Yahweh. And to make sure that our hearts are positioned in a humility and a place with God to say, God, I want to do what you expect of me. And even as I get into this message, there are things that I've done in ministry here over the last 19 years that not even God expected of me. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Because we are going to change some things around here. Can anybody say, hey, we love change? See, God thinks differently than we do, and we think from our perspective and what we th how, it, how it benefits us rather than how it benefits the kingdom. And so God is wanting to do some different things, and uh, to be honest with you, God has built me differently than Tom. He's built me differently than Mike and Alger and Chad and Pat and Jeff, all of us. All of us, we've all, we're all built differently. Can we have an amen on that? So, just as we have many shapes and sizes in the natural, we have many different shapes and sizes in the spiritual, correct? And so Tom's focus is definitely more kingdom and what is God saying. My focus has been always, how does it affect the people? And so those two combinations are really healthy for the body of Christ. They really are. But there's also more than just two perspectives. The Bible says there's five, actually. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to get into that just a little bit. But as I leave on sabbatical, if you put the expectations of what you want me to be on Tom or Alger or Mike or anybody else, that people part, you're going to get really disappointed. And all I'm saying is, when I leave on sabbatical, let people lead and be who they are 
Let people lead and be who they are and allow more people in the house of God to be your help and your caregiving and all that kind of stuff. We're going to get into that a little bit. Amen? So with that, I'm going to jump into Ephesians 4.11. If you guys would turn on my PowerPoint, and we're going we're gonna to read a scripture, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more and uh, dive into it. So, is it on? Yep, there it is. We're going to read this together. This uh, comes out of the NIV. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature. Anybody want to become mature? Attaining the whole measure? Anybody want the whole measure of the fullness of Christ in this church, in this region? Well, what it takes is it takes the prophet, evangelist, pastor, apostle, teacher, all five of those, to prepare you, the body of Christ, for what? Work. Everybody say work. work. Okay, so there's four things. I want to go back to the King James. And there's four things in the King James the way it says. King James says that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers actually perfect you as a saint. See, one of the reasons that Tom rubs you wrong sometimes is because he's trying to perfect you in your walk with God. Can I have an amen on that? And he sees some of the things from the kingdom in a black and white perspective where I tend to see things a little shades of gray because they have a pastoral grace thing on them. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that gift, if you reject the gift that that is, you don't become perfected as a saint. You don't become, and when I say perfect, being conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ. If you, most people love the pastoral gifting. That is the one in the body of Christ that is highly elevated. Because what does a pastor make you feel? For those of you who are angry with me, probably not much right now, but that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. The pastoral gift makes you feel care. It makes you feel loved. It makes you feel connected to the body. It's kind of the glue. It's kind of the wedding ring part of the five-fold ministry. It's the covenant part of family. It's the love part that it just oozes out of me. And what has happened, I'm going to talk about a little later in the message, how it's actually... It, it, because it is who I am, it's very easy to enable people instead of growing up and being perfected by, in the saints. Amen? The other thing is for the work of the ministry. Every one of us are called to work. Every one of us is called to work. Everybody say work. work. How many go to their job and just love everything they do at work? You come to church, and it's not all fun and games, is it, Sarah? It's work. You've probably learned more about ministry in the last two years than ever. Didn't realize how much work it was, did you? Children's ministry, anybody want to say yes, it is work. And so this serving sacrificially, work. And there's many other areas of work of ministry that in this house 
and we're going to talk about that a little more. The other thing is the, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that the, the edifying and the building up of the body is so important, and that's what the apostles do. The apostles also, the, the end result is that we would all reach unity. And God's emphasizing unity right now, isn't he, Chad? He's emphasizing unity. Unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to the measure of the fullness of Christ. And so here's the thing. These five gifts are preparing the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. And I'm telling you, yes, Tom's an apostle teacher, Mike's an evangelist, I'm a pastor, but the good news is there are many more five-fold ministering people in this house. Many, many more. The good news is New Covenant is packed full of leaders. The good news is there are many, many apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And here's the issue. Many of them are still being identified and are maturing in their gift. Sometimes you don't really identify exactly who someone is, their function in the body, until you actually start seeing them minister. Until they actually start getting their hands dirty. Until they actually start engaging and start leading something. When they start leading something, then you actually begin to see. I mean, here we are 19 years down the road, and we're, I'm just, I mean, I kind of had a suspicion that Tom was apostle. But the only pattern that I'd ever seen was Lynn Furrow. And Lynn is, is one form of an apostle. One form of apostle. But there are many, many different forms of apostleship. Can I have an amen? But have, has anybody seen Tom be a builder? Holy cow. Building worship ministry, youth ministry. I mean, all kinds of ministry has been built by him. I'm a maintainer. He gets it built, I maintain it. You guys understand that? And so the good, good news is many others are being identified, and we have a whole church full of leaders who are helping equip the people of this church for the work of the ministry. And there's an army rising up. There is an army rising up here at New Covenant. I'm saying it again. There is an army rising up. There are more people functioning and helping in ministry than ever before. In the 19-year history of this church, there are more people involved in ministry now than ever. And more are being convicted daily to get involved and help minister. I'm going to tell on Bree. I know she's here. That lone girl right there in the purple right behind Christy Davis. She came to my wife and said, man, the Lord's convicting me. She's convicting. He's convicting me. I got to get involved in children's ministry. I got to do it. He's been on me, and I've got to do it. And so she comes to my wife, and she says, I'm just going to obey the Lord. I've got to do it. And so she was worried and concerned about a bill that she had for her schooling for her children. And as soon as she had made that commitment to serve in the children's ministry here, her debt got canceled on the, on the children's ministry schooling that she had. As soon as she committed to ministering to the children here, her own child was taken care of. Man, that almost sounds scriptural. Some of your breakthrough is waiting for you to get involved in ministry. 
You're begging God to do work. You're begging God to do something for you. I say, do something for him. I say, leave something for him. And your own house will be taken care of. That sounds like Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Hmm. Deuteronomy 28, if you hearken your ears to the voice of the living God this day and do all that he commands you to do, all these blessings shall come upon you and they'll overtake you. Your children will be blessed. Your barn will be blessed. Your group, everything that you do will be blessed. You'll be the, you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above, not beneath. In the city, in the country, it'll all be blessed. If you put the kingdom of heaven before your own kingdom. That's a side note, by the way. Wow. Got to keep pressing on. We got graduation today. But people are choosing to get involved. And I hope and pray you are one of those that are getting involved. Later in my message today, we're going to talk about all the people. Because I've made a list of all the people who are heading up ministry. And I've put it all here on a piece of paper with people's telephone numbers and that's how many people lead ministry look at that long list and you need one of these because you know what I'm going to quit being the go-to guy and you're going to have to start learning who's responsible for what oh everybody record that record that yeah because I had a hard time. I, me and Abraham were in the, in the flower shop Friday. And I already was manifesting and going <laughs> with that thought. Grandma Leela was in the flower shop. And me and Abe were buying plants and tomato plants and all that kind of stuff. And she goes, when are you going on sabbatical? And I said, Sunday's my last day. <gasps> and here's what she said. Well, who's going to come pray for me? Are you going to be there when I have surgery in July? I said, yep, there will be an extension of me. There will be people there. They're going to come pray for you before surgery, and there are going to be people there to pray for you after surgery. But I'm starting to go, oh, gosh. I can't be at all places at all times. And the mentality of the body of Christ has got to change because it's going to have to be okay with all of us that it's not me touching you. It's going to, Lena's going to have to get to this place we all are because we just laughed and said, great, Eric's not going to be the go-to guy. And when I'm not there and you want it to be me, you got to realize he's better looking than me. (laughs) And this guy's got a greater anointing for healing than I do. And if I'm going to be in the hospital, I'm going to have that guy pray for me. I'm going to have that guy pray for me. I'm going to have that guy pray for me. Because what I got is different than what they got. And so I'm glad you got all excited, but I'm not going to be the go-to guy. But remember, because when I come back from sabbatical, I'm still not going to be the go-to guy. We're moving ahead. We're going to change the way we do things. Yeah, it is about time. Because we're going to make a shift. Shift. Be careful how you say that. Shift. Because this place is going to be full of shift. (laughs) 
and we're all going to shift together. That was a message somebody preached for you guys who are guests. Just so you know, there was a, a guy came through, and that was a prophetic message to this church about shifting. Say that right. Kick some religious spirits out, right? So we're going to make some changes, and I need you to make some changes with me. Can I have an amen? amen. Dennis Kramer prophesied over Karen and I, and when I read this prophecy... It is not a prophecy that is just to Karen and I. It is a prophecy to the leaders of this house. And so as you, when I read this, I don't read it just to Karen and I, but he did prophesy to Karen and I, and he said this. I'm going before you this day, I'm going before you with all of my power and might to make a way where there is currently no way. Let me repeat this. Man. God's going to heal my eyesight while I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going before you. I am making a way beginning today where there is no way. I have a new direction, a new emphasis I have, and I have a new focus. There will be a new joy. There will be a new theme to your marriage, your lives, your ministry, a new message, my son and daughter. I am putting in both of you a new message, a message for this day, a message for this hour. Your middle names will be contemporary. Matter of fact, you will, everything you do will have a contemporary nature. Therefore, why I have a contemporary haircut today. <laughs> That's as far as I've gotten so far on contemporary because I have no clue what he means by contemporary. <laughs> I'm still working on that. What does contemporary look at 52? Hmm. So... You can thank my wife for the haircut. <laughs> Your middle names will be contemporary, and I'm going to make you in great demand in this community, both of you in many areas where you thought, why do you want me to go there? Why do you want me to go there? But you too will be known in a greater measure as the pastors of the church. They will become more familiar with your location. The Lord would say that there has been a spirit there is a spirit that has created a wall between this community and this building. The community and this property. There are hundreds in this community that do not know about this building. It's a spirit. The spirit has blinded the community to this facility. The Lord would say, the Lord would say, I expose this devil, I break its neck, and I paralyze it. Now everyone will hear, everyone will know that I am putting this house on the map and the community will say, we never knew you were here. Now they will, now they will. I am drawing the community to this place. I break the neck of the spirit that has hindered this community from being, even knowing this church location. And now God says, get ready, get ready to be a greater voice in the community. Get ready for articles to be written by you and about you. Any press is good press. We've had some of that, haven't we? Get ready, my son and daughter, for a new way. I am making a way where there is no way. I make all things new. Throw away the handbook that you use to get to this place of life and ministry. It will no longer do you any good because I make all things new. Now the two of you will receive revelation. Now the, the still small voice will speak of the strategies for the future. Now dreams, visions, prophecies will dramatically increase that will guide and direct both of you into that destiny I've called you. 
For both of you are builders. Both of you are strategists. Both of you are visionaries. Both of you are partners. And it's time, my son and daughter, to gather the people of God, to urge them to get serious. I don't want anyone in the church lagging behind. I don't want any dead weight in the sanctuary. So you, you and you, man and woman of God, speak clearly, speak firmly, but tell everybody, tell everybody to get ready. Have we said that yet? Get ready? Okay. Get ready. For the Lord would say to the senior couple, I'm now bringing this church into a time of decision. Some will decide to go with God and some will not. Ouch. That's hard on a shepherd. Go with those who go with you. Get ready, my son and daughter, for a group of believers in this house who will press in to the purpose of God that I have designed you to do. Know that I am bringing others from the community here. Know that I am going to bring others from great distances who will say, God, God has brought us to this house. Know that there will be an expansion and an increase of the property of the, fam of the, property of the families, and there will be more than enough money, my son and daughter, to make the property and building more suitable for what I have called you both to do. We've already started that. Get ready for the schools to be visited by God. Get ready for the graduation to have an explosion today. Get ready for a move among students in this community. Get ready, my son and daughter, for the deadest denominational churches in town to be awakened as I visit them through my angels and through my dreams and visions. Get ready. I have targeted Newcastle to be a hot spot for what I want to do, not only in Indiana, but also in the Midwest. My son and my daughter, you have put everybody else first. But I, but I own the cattle on a thousand hills, and I own the wealth in every mine. So I am going to begin to share some of that wealth with you, too, in unsolicited ways through streams that you never thought possible. Haven't seen any of that money come in, but that's okay. I will begin to sure up your personal finances and bring more money into the mix. Also, my daughter... There will be times in the early morning hours when I awaken you and the Spirit of God will give you a clear and precise word in season. And you have to say, honey, honey, wake up, get up, and you will have to deliver your soul by delivering the message to the people of God on a Sunday morning. Let's hold her accountable to that, right? We keep talking about that. My son, I am going to change the schedule of meetings in this place. I'm going to move by such might and power that you will not be able to map out and plan out everything I am about to do. Get ready for some spontaneous gatherings. Get ready to call some solemn assemblies. Get ready for even some schedules and events and meetings will come as a surprise to you. My son, you will not always be able to take a year, or 10 months, eight months, six months, four months. Sometimes I will say, do it right here on the calendar and you will say, okay, God, how in the world are we gonna do that? But uh, we don't think we can put it together, but you told us to that day and we are going to do it. And so finally, my son and daughter, it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. I did not call you to be intellectuals. Hallelujah. I did not call you to be highly educated. Hallelujah. I did not call you to be, to be wise as the world sees wisdom. But I did call you to be filled with my spirit. And I did call you to move in the power of God. And I did call you to know the anointing of God that breaks every yoke. You too do not have to change. Just continue to move in the anointing of God that I have placed upon both of you and go for it. 
throw caution to the wind, deal with every sickness, drive out every devil, and do not let your critics win. Do not let them prevail over you. Laugh off their criticisms and know this. And that's a strategy. If people start to criticize what's going on here, just laugh. <laughs> that was a prophetic word even Christy gave about six months ago. Just laugh. Don't try to defend. Don't try to go online and say, laugh. That I put you here, I called you to this house, I gave you a strategy, I gave you the doctrines I told you to enforce, and I will give you a people, an authentic and genuine down-to-earth people that are about to be visited. Don't let this secret out. But there is a visitation coming. I'm going to visit you guys. I'm going to visit this house. I'm going to visit this place. So get ready, get ready, get ready. They will pull in the front and they will fill the parking lot. So get ready, get ready. My visitation is coming, says the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, it's kind of funny, and Chad said, oh, you probably ought to share that today. <laughs> I wasn't going to go here, and by God, it's 12 o'clock. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to get the whole message done. I feel like T.G. Jakes right now. couple months ago we started to see the wave of that people we had six back people saved in one service you guys remember that crowds were packed and god showed us what it's getting ready to look like and don't get discouraged that it's not packed right now he's saying get ready I showed you what it's getting ready to be like. There's going to be people get saved like crazy. There's going to be a spirit of repentance fall in this area. And they're going to come by the groves. Why do you think we're bringing Alex in and saying, guy, we got to get this discipleship going? Why? Because those six people didn't get discipled. Those six people aren't sitting in the pews. Those six people fell through the cracks. And if God, no, when God does what he does, he's doing it to a prepared and ready people. We've got to have an army. You may get a phone call from Alex to say, is there anybody you're discipling? Because he's going to try to keep track of who's, who's meeting with who, so we make sure people don't fall between the cracks. Can I have an amen? That when they get saved that we're either going to do a new beginner's class or something we're going to do in order to help catch them and give them a good, solid foundation. Because more's coming. And so right now, as summer comes on, we have got to get ready, church. Part of me going on sabbatical, there is a plan in this sabbatical. Jehovah Sneaky is set, setting you up to where you can't call me. I'm going to be gone, literally gone. And I'm shutting the phone off. I'm going to get alone with Jesus. The Lord's given me a strategy, a three-month strategy, to work on my spirit, my soul, and my body. The first month of June is going to be my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. As you guys know, I went to RTF and got uh, some thorough format and got a, a body slam on that. But the month of June, what I'm doing is I'm taking every category in that RTF manual, abandonment, 
rejection, every one of those headings, and I'm going to RTF myself to pieces. <laughs> and I'm going to go down systematically, and I am going to hear from the Holy Ghost on areas of my life that he's wanting to set me free on. So I'm going to work on my soul. The month of July, I am going to work on my body. Bless this church. They're paying for me to go to the biggest loser camp in Niagara Falls, New York. Yeah. It's the scariest part of my sabbatical. <laughs> I'm not going to be on the biggest loser show, okay? So you don't have to worry about seeing this. Oh, God, that's my pastor. TMI, TMI. For the month of July, I'm going to be gone to New York, and I'm going to be exercising six days a week. Cool. What? Oh, no. You're going to see the finished product when I get back. Oh, no. No, no. You're not going to get any progress report. You're not going to hear from me. <laughs> and so I'm going to work on my body in the month of July. And in the month of August, it's my spirit man. And my spirit man, my wife and I, and uh, her mother, we're going to go to Canada for a month to the wilderness. And I'm going to have books, and I'm going to get alone because it's a retreat in Canada at our lake cottage. And so we're going to go up there for a whole month. Never been there for a month in my life. It's always been two weeks. And uh, kids are going to be able to come up for a week or two and be with us. My mom and dad are coming up for a week or two to be with us, but I'm going to be on water, and I'm going to be with Jesus and talking to the Lord and uh, working on this temple. Amen? And so that's the journey of the sabbatical that I'm going to be on. So as of today, I'm going on sabbatical. I am going. Uh, I won't be here tonight for the service. I wanted to be here, but t tonight's the only day we can celebrate Rebecca's 21st birthday and so we're celebrating her birthday with my family and her family and so um, that's just a quick rundown of the, the sabbatical and so um, I the month of July and August I won't even be in town uh, in June I'm also taking a fishing trip on Father's Day with my dad my dad and I are going Western Ontario. Dad's paying for a fishing trip for me. And uh, I've got a great dad. And uh, we're going to spend some time with him. So, and sometime in there, I'll have some time for Karen somewhere. <laughs> so, really, honestly, in 90 days, I'm only going to be in Newcastle three weeks. So, I won't be here at the service. I won't be any. So, it's not even like I can do dinner with you. Um, sorry. So, but that's kind of the, the snapshot of what the sabbatical looks like so far. Now, I know Jehovah Sneaky is going to get in there and uh, probably rearrange everything. Uh, but really do pray for me in the month of July. There, are, there is some fear about going to the camp, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, but I'm, yeah, you know what I'm talking about probably. And so... Um, you know, 
RTF helped me in that area to believe that I can. You know, I've probably lost about 15 pounds since I've been back from RTF. But I, I've got a long road ahead of me. So would covet your prayers. But here's where I want to sum up the message today. I'm not going to get everywhere that I wanted to go. But the Lord said in the prophetic word, Denny Kramer, he said, get rid of the handbook that has gotten you to this point so far. And what do you guys think a handbook is? A book of instructions. You're right. A book of instructions on how to do something. Like an occupation. It's a manual with facts on a subject or directions for maintenance or repair. And so the handbook that I'm getting ready to get rid of, that Tom has asked me to get rid of for more than one year, or two years, or three years. And I'm going to ask you to get rid of the handbook with me. And that handbook is me touching every one of your lives. I have tried to touch every person in this church because I love you dearly. And I want to see you advance in the kingdom of God. And some of you have gotten more of my time than others. But my goal and the handbook that has always just happens is there are people in this church I don't know now because we've grown because I can't touch every life and the expectation of me touching all of your lives and I want to repent for trying it has kept us small and more people have got to begin to be the caregivers of this house than me. I was going to read the passage in Exodus about Moses. And Moses had come out of Egyptian bondage, and all the children of Israel were, were coming to him with all their problems. And he was meeting with the people day and night, meeting and, 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 and meeting with the people to meet their needs and to, to, to um, judge who was right and who was wrong, and what, and to bring God's law, his, his word to their situation, which is what I do on a daily basis. I meet with people, and I bring the word of God to their life and try to help them navigate God in their life. And Jethro says it's not right. His father-in-law, Saul, said, you're crazy. Why are you trying to meet all the needs of the people? You need to put some in charge of thousands, some in charge of hundreds, some in charge of fifties, and some in tens. And you need to give the care of the congregation to more people. Or you will wear yourself out. And then what will happen to the people of God? And so get ready, get ready, get ready looks like this. I'm throwing the handbook away. Of having to touch every person's life. And to check on every person. And I need your I need the people of God to rise up and care about their neighbor. When you see that there is someone missing in the house of God, that you follow through with that thought and you become the care that the people of God need so that we can minister to more people 
and we can actually accomplish more for the kingdom of heaven. Can I have an amen on that? Does everybody agree with that? But here's the deal. You've got to throw that handbook away with me. Because when you expect, and here's what I want to read, and Tom sent this out to many of the ministry team leaders this week. Why most churches never get past 200. And this sums up my message. It gave eight reasons why churches never reach over 200. And we're teetering between 150 to 200 all the time in that neighborhood. The pastor is the primary caregiver. That's problem number one. Honestly, if you just push past this one issue, you will have made a ton of progress. When the pastor has to visit every sick person, do every wedding, do every funeral, and make regular house calls, he or she becomes incapable of doing other things. That model just doesn't scale. If you're good at it, you'll grow the church to about 200 people and then disappoint people when you can't get to every event anymore. Or you'll just burn out. It creates false expectations, and so many people get hurt in the process. And that's what ends up happening. Expectations aren't met, people get hurt. I think that's called the expectation cycle in RTF. So I expect to get hurt because no one's there to meet my need, so I'm going to expect it, and I keep going in the vicious cycle. The eighth issue was, and I'm better in this area, but I've still got some freedom to go. The pastor suffers from a desire to please everybody. Many pastors I know are people pleasers by nature. Go see a counselor. <laughs> get on your knees. Do whatever you need to do to get over the fear of disappointing people. Courageous leadership is like courageous parenting. Don't do what your kids want you to do. Do what you believe is best for them in the end. Eventually, many of them will thank you. And the rest, well, honestly, they'll probably go to another church that isn't reaching many people either. Heavy stuff. So, Tom's message a couple months ago, or however long ago, when he was talking about being a radical church, guys, if you'll give me just a few more minutes, William, we'll wrap this up. In his message, he talked about us raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people, right? Remember what he talked about when he said about what radical is? Radical is this. Radical means to be different from the usual or that which is traditional. Our worship is not traditional. Would you guys say, yep? It's considered radical. Because it's, it's, it goes beyond what traditionally churches are doing in this hour, right? Our services are two hours long. That's radical. That is so different than what's going on traditionally in the church today. Is that not true? There's some other things about our church that's radical. Emotional healing and deliverance is radical. Most churches don't even talk about demons. They don't even talk about getting set free. And so... Radical is going beyond what is usual or what is traditional. Well, what is usual and what is traditional in the church when it comes to a pastor? What is traditional and what is usual in most churches is, in, is that the pastor is the go-to guy for everything. The pastoral staff is the one that everybody calls to get help, wisdom, guidance, and whatever, redirection. 
Is that not what is traditional in our culture? So the, the, the example I gave of the pastor a couple weeks where he, he wasn't going to, he had to answer his phone calls on vacation. That's really traditional. Would you say yes? So if we're going to break tradition and we're going to go to be radical lovers of God, we're going to change some things around here by throwing away the handbook and I'm no longer going to be the go-to guy. I will start directing you to who you need to call. I will start directing you to who you need to call. I'm going to make it easy. Ashley's going to put this on our website, all the numbers. You're going to know who to call. And here's what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you an example. And it just, Alger and I struggled. I mean, we struggled. A month or so ago, Alger's out here working at the church, and there's a phone call on on the church answer machine. Eric. I'm sorry to bother you. I know it's Tuesday. It's your day off. I hate to bother you, but there's a call out here. ICU unit in Indianapolis. They want you to come over and pray for this this gal over here. Man, uh, you want the number. So I'm working out in the garage, and I say, okay, just a second. And so I'm going inside to write down a piece of paper, and God says, stop. Stop. Alger prays for the sick. Let him do it. And I stopped and I said, hey, Alger. I'm struggling here, Alger. I said, what, is the, what do you think about you taking care of this? Yep, you're right. Yep, I'm sorry I bothered you on your day off. That's what I need to do. Because he's called to pray for people in hospital. He's called to pray and to help set the captives free. And so what Alger did is Alger called that number, and but here it was. It was so natural for me to go in, write down the telephone number. Eric, you do it. I'm, I'm talking about it's going to be hard for me to break and throw away the handbook, and it's going to be hard for you to break because I've trained you really well. <laughs> God, forgive me. I've enabled you just to, I've been so accessible. Every one of you have my cell phone number. that's crazy. (laughs) It really is crazy. Now you say, well, that's just you being a great pastor. Man, we are pastors of pastors. We have many, many pastors. Can I have an amen on that? And so what I've done here is I've made a list, and I I think there's a couple areas I've missed, and if you're not on this list, would you please give me a little grace if I've not put you on this list? Because there are so many people doing things at New Covenant Worship Center that you have no clue is doing it, and you need to know who to call. If I'm not going to be the go-to guy, you need to start learning really quickly who the go-to guy is. Because for 90 days, there is going to be no no go-to guy. Um, You go go, go go-to, you go 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 somewhere else. We might do some go-go. I'm passing Exodus. You ought to read that. That's a really good passage about Moses, but for sake of time, I passed it. And that's Jethro's paraphrase. There's the radical. Now, this is just a few. There's two pages here. These are, these are ministry leaders. Inner healing, emotional healing. If you're jacked up and frustrated and angry and you can't get your eyes straight, don't call Eric. Call Michelle and Shelly Hansen. Those two guys are heading up our inner healing and emotional healing. So if you want counseling, you want deliverance, you want set free, Guess what? You call. Who are you going to call? 
evangelism, outreach ministry. Mike Brown, if you got something in your heart where you want to go out and do some street evangelism, you want to meet street kids, you want to do something outside this church where we should be doing a fair or we should do it, go see Michael. Young adult ministry, Mike and Ashley Brown are leading that up. Man, if you've got a 21-year-old that you're struggling with, don't call me. Call the young adult minister. I had somebody from outside this church call recently. And I, I did not send it to Mike Brown like a bonehead. And I took care of it. And it was chemical dependency issue. And I was helping him trying to get to uh, Teen Challenge or help him get some type of chemical freedom. And I was dealing with that issue instead of I should have went. You need to call Mike Brown. Who are you going to call? Mike Brown. Why? Because it's a young adult. Hello. So if you have problems with your young adults, who are you going to call? Worship ministry. You want to be on the team. You want to be a part of the worship. Who are you going to call? Tom Brown. No. Tom. Wow, where did that come from? New Covenant University. You want to teach in the school of ministry? You got a message brewing, you got something you want to teach, you got you're, you need to call Tom. He heads up our school of ministry. Youth ministry, Brian and Sarah Hughes. Man, oh man, if you got problems with your teenager, it's not just Brian and Sarah, it's Tony, it's Stuart, it's it's Angela, it's it's uh, Chuck and Tina Isbell, it's uh uh who else? There's a team of people that want to help your kids. But how many times do you think I get a phone call when a parent's having problems with a teenager? Guess who I'm going to direct you to? Ryan and Sarah Hughes. And their team is going to figure out who and how and what they need to do in order to get your teen help. Does that make sense? And if they can't help them, they're going to make sure they get help. And they're also going to put some of that responsibility back on you. Because it's not our responsibility to raise your kids. We are the exclamation point of raising your kids. We are the help for your kids, but it's time for people to take responsibility for their kids. So, wow, that got all messed up. So, youth ministry, Brian and Sarah Hughes. Children's ministry, my wife. Flip 180 and junior high ministry. Carmen Cash has taken that over here recently. And uh, if you, if you want to get involved in, 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 in a tween ministry or you're having problems with your tween, guess who you're going to call? Ghostbusters. Hey, how right. Carmen. Prayer and altar ministry. Hey, this is a big one. Alger and Connie are doing a great job of, of prayer and altar ministry. And it may not be Alger that comes. I know Alger's right now going to bless somebody's house. But guess that phone call came where first? Because they just moved into their house, and we're going to take a team up there. We're going to anoint it with oil. We're going to bless that house. But guess what? That, that is going to be going through Alger. And it may not be Alger. It may be somebody he, he forms. Because guess what? Even Alger can't reach everybody. He has to form a team of people under him who are prayer warriors, who are, have healing and anointing on their life to meet the needs of people. Can I have an amen on that? Helps ministry and facilities. Alger Julson. If there's something you're gifted with your hands and you want to help out here in this building, Alger's out here mowing, Alger's out here changing ballast and light bulbs, and he can't do it alone. 
church secretary and general information, Connie Julson, right over there, and her telephone number. Cannot tell you how many times people call me and say, hey, what's Courtney's telephone number? Oh, what's Letitia's number? Hey, what's Mark Robinson's number? I love helping and I've done it, but guess who you should call for a church number? And general information. Who are you going to call? Connie. Connie, all right. Ushers and offering ministry. Brian Hughes, he takes care of organizing all the ushers and all the, the security and making sure that people are not doing stuff that they shouldn't do back there and all that kind of stuff. And if you want to get involved in that, you see Brian. Amen? Next list. There's a lot of people here. Look at this. Discipleship ministry. Alex Fulton. I've talked a little bit about that already, so I won't go there. Marriage ministry. Jeff and Susan Julian. Man, if you're having problems in your marriage, who are you going to call? <laughs> that was good. That was really good. But again, I have been the marriage counselor for years. But we're multiplying ministry, guys. There is people here ready to help you and other people outside the church. There's people in their class that are coming from outside this church now. That's exciting. Funeral or, or weddings and funerals. We're working on this right now, Mike Brown and Jeff Julian right now. It just makes sense that since Jeff and Susan are doing marriage ministry to help with weddings and funerals, and so is <laughs> because usually when you have a wedding, you usually have a death. Man, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. <laughs> and so I am no longer going to do all the weddings. I am no longer going to do all the funerals. And that is really painful. That is really painful. Because as soon as your daughter, who's known me for 15 years, now I'm not saying I won't do it. We're going to pray. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to ask what the Lord wants and all that kind of stuff. But can you imagine, I mean, can you imagine, this is going to be painful, church. Can you imagine me not doing a wedding? Can you imagine me not doing a funeral for one of you in here? Now, we just said we want to throw the handbook away. This is where it gets really difficult. Really for me, but no, it is difficult for you too. You can't tell me Gary Tower wouldn't want me to do his funeral and that I wouldn't want to do his funeral. You can't tell me they wouldn't be upset if I didn't do that funeral. And by the way, you're not dying, by the way. Let's not even use that term. Let's say if they want to renew their wedding vows. Let's spark some life. But, but you see what I'm saying? You start throwing that handbook away and you start affecting the emotions of what we are so used to in this house and we begin to change it, you're going to go, this doesn't feel like the same church I used to be involved in. This church just isn't as personal as it used to be. No, that's the very lie. It's more personal. There's more people giving care. I love you so much, I'm going to make sure you get cared for. And you're going to get cared for better. And that there's more people doing the work of the ministry. Because my goal and our goal as leaders is to equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. Marriages are work. Funerals are work. 
Counseling is work. RTF is work. Can I have an amen on that? Okay, so where was I at? Funeral. Funeral dinner ministry. Jenny Hughes has just recently taken over funeral dinner ministry. So you can call her. So if, yeah, and hospitality and welcome ministry, that's Bob and Jenny Hughes. So all the people, all the greeters and all that kind of stuff, when people come in, if you want to help in that ministry, here's where you get involved. Meals for the sick. Angie Shevzak. Man, it's wonderful that Angie does this. And praise God, if you have somebody in this church you know is sick, you will call her. And here's the process that we're going through. And when you call Angie Shevzak because there's somebody sick and we're going to get meals for her, the first thing she's going to do is she's going to look at this list right down here of all the connect groups. And she's got a list of all the people that are involved in the connect group in this church. And if they're involved in the connect group, the meals are going to come from that connect group. If they're not connected in this church, shame on you if you're not connected in the connect group. Because that's the pastoral care strategy of this church. But if you're not, then Angie is going to make sure we get meals to you. Because we love our people. We serve sacrificially, right? And we love deeply. And so that's what Angie does. Tables, chairs, and facility. Tina Lenz, she heads this up. And what Tina does is if you need to use chairs for a, a graduation or tables or anything in the church, we try to allow people to use the church stuff so you don't have to go buy it. But you have to put a deposit down, and she takes the deposit. She comes out here and helps you get the stuff, and then she makes sure it gets back. Because guess what happens if we don't have somebody like Tina? The stuff doesn't make it back to the church. And if it comes back to the church, the table looks like this, the chairs are like this, and they can't be used. But when there's accountability of God's house and his stuff, it gets taken care of better. So Tina, bless her heart, she takes care of that. Where were we? Okay, sound ministry team. Tom Preble is doing this now. John is going to step down from sound ministry for a season and get some refreshing. And so he's not going to be leading that. So Tom is going to take that over for a season. So if you want to get involved in the sound team, that's who you call. The video team, Chad up there. Hi, Chad. Everybody in the plaid shirt, that's Chad. He heads up the, uh, the video team. And so... That's awesome. You, you see that Sunday morning. Website and calendar administration. Chad Cooper in the, there and Ashley Brown. So like Ashley's putting this on the, on the church website. Anything that goes on the website, they do that. And we need more help on that for sure. Bounce house rental, my wife. So if you want to rent the bounce house for a birthday party, you talk to my wife. And then the connect groups, Jeff and Michelle Hughes are taking that over for me. And there are all the lists of all the connect group leaders and their phone numbers. And all those seven are people. Those are pastors. Everybody say pastors. pastors. Those are pastors. They are pastors. They are pastoring the needs of the people in this church. And we need more connect group leaders. We need more people opening their homes and discipling people and helping people. And if you desire to be a part of the connect group system, I encourage you to see Jeff Hughes. There's their number. That's a list of all the people, and I am totally out of time, 1230, and I'm going to make everybody late. Now, here's the deal. Your name may not be on that list. And if I've missed you, one of the things I thought of was the AP team. I didn't put the apostolic and prophetic team. Tina, Le Tina heads up an apostolic and prophetic group that comes together and prays. Her and Alger kind of team together on that. But if you're not on that, and you should be, see me, so we make sure we get all the information correct. The si is that what I... Oh, there's a purpose for that. 
I'm not on there for a reason right now. So don't have anybody contact you. Oh, yeah. See these people. To <laughs> <laughs> get on the list. To get on the list. All right, I'm going to be gone. Thank you, Michael. See how hard it is to throw away the handbook? Now, here is some other things that people are talking about in this house. There are people talking about women's ministry and wanting to do something in that area. There's people talking about missions. We got Ben and Emma Shetterly and Andrea Wispin right now working on some stuff for missions. That's going to fall underneath outreach and evangelism, but it's still a team that's beginning to take some form. We got people talking about men's ministry, chemical dependency, and healing ministry. We've got sex slavery ministry. People have a heart to see sex slavery stopped. Uh, adoption and fostering ministry. I even have, I know Tom's on his heart. We really would love to see love and logic teaching get to the schools where we help teachers uh, get better at teaching love and logic and how God wants to do it in the schools. Healing rooms, Chad has it on his heart for healing rooms and others have healing rooms where you could come here on a Saturday and get prayer for healing. I mean, there's just a lot of different ministry in people's hearts that's still in its embryonic form. I, I, my, there's things like after-school ministry to kids, video ministry, video testimonies. I mean, even the seven mountain mandate of the seven areas of ministry like business and government and media, those are all areas of ministry that we need to be affecting. Can I have an amen on that? So if you're not on this list, you should be on this list. Can I have an amen on that? Please don't be offended if you're not. That's the pastoral part of me coming out. So that's... I'm sorry I kept you this long, but that's what we're doing. Is there more people involved in ministry at New Covenant than there ever has been before? God's setting us up, and there's more coming, and there's more people that are going to lead aspects of ministry. And as I go on sabbatical, guys, this place is in great hands. There is nothing to worry about. Matter of fact, there's been others leading the church more than I have been. And I am going to miss you. I love you dearly. I ask that you pray for me and my family, that the Spirit of God would reveal to us what he's wanting for us during these 90 days. But I love you dearly, and I want you to know, who are you going to call? And I will not be answering my phone, bless your heart. But spread the good news. God's changing things for the better. And this is this this 90 day sabbatical for me is really Jehovah sneaky, helping me to break that handbook off and to help you guys get a revelation of how much you depend upon me in other areas of your life. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand up.